Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the Salic Soul Podcast. I am Andrew Millen, and on this episode... Of the podcast, I'll be chatting to Tam Donnelly, president of the North American Federation of Salic Supporters Club. Tam, born and bred in Glasgow, emigrated to Canada. And while I sit here in the cold of Drada, through the wonders of technology, Tam is sitting on a balcony in Florida, and he's just after showing me a wonderful view. But it was nothing like the view I saw on Wednesday night, last Wednesday night, when Celtic beat Rangers. Folks, thank you so much for listening watching and reading and for all your continued support and if you like what we do and are a static minded business or a static supporters club and you'd like to sponsor an episode of the podcast or get involved with the fans in please email us at info at and you can also contact us through social media where you'll find us on LinkedIn Facebook Instagram and Twitter don't forget to visit our website celticfanzine.com for daily news and articles you'll also find all the podcasts there and our videos and details on how to purchase the fanzine or if you'd like to subscribe you get all the details there and we now enter our 21st year of producing more than 90 minutes issue 119 print edition is now sold out but you can still download the digital edition by visiting our shop and I'll plug it again celticfanzine.com where you'll also find our t-shirts, badges, merchandise and all the back issues that are still available the Celtic Soul podcast is available across all platforms, Apple, Spotify, Acast, etc. So don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And you can also listen to all the podcasts on our YouTube channel, Celtic Fanzine TV. And at Celtic Fanzine TV, you'll also find all our video content, including recent interviews with Ange Postacoglu, Callum McGregor and Joe Had. And you can also watch our Celtic fan content on Talk From The Terrace, the Grand Isle History podcast, and interviews with former players and famous faces from the music and entertainment business. So hit that subscribe, follow and alarm button on Celtic Fanzine TV. And keep an eye out on CelticFanzine.com and our social media for channels 
for upcoming events including Selegay M specials, dinners, play on nights, book launches, gigs and even the Odd Festival. It's been a long two years, so it's great to be back talking to venues again. Tom Donnelly is the president of the North American Federation of Celtic Supporters Clubs. Tom, you are very, very welcome onto the Celtic Soul podcast to continue our conversation after you joined me recently at Celtic AM in Morphy's in Glasgow when you were back home. Tom, um, as I said, I'm looking out at the rain, but you're enjoying the Florida sunshine. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely. The water just banging off the bottom of a balcony here. Oh, I'm so jealous, Tom. Just tell us where you are, Tom, just because we're on audio and just maybe just paint the picture for the listeners. I'm on West Palm, West Palm Beach and I'm on Lakeshore Drive and it's absolutely spectacular. It's spectacular. I got a good deal on a condo and I just love it. Actually, there's a, it's not there right now, I would just showed you. There's a big green, what do you call them? Really horrible things that look like dragons. Uh, the name of it will come to me. Oh, and it walks up and down that path. And it's alligator. Big, it's not an alligator, it's a, an iguana. Really? And it's 14 feet long and it's green. And every day it comes out and I see it and I go, oh, here you go. The big Tim iguana. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, right, listen, before I kick off now on, on, on a little journey with you through your Celtic soul, um, Las Vegas, after two years of uncertainty, are we finally getting back to the entertainment of capital of the world? Yes. I've been speaking to them all week and it doesn't look like there's any restrictions right now. The problem was, like, you know, I'm saying, like, you know, okay, what is if things go belly up was the big problem in dealing with them was the clause in the contract I have with them, like, it's if we don't go and do it as a 25,000 with the amount of rooms that I've put aside just for selling supporters, it's a $25,000 fine, or not a fine, they grab if I can't come get their rooms in there. So that was uh, a lot of trying bargaining, put it like this. But, you know, their argument, and I'm trying to get things lower because everywhere in Vegas has increased everything because they've took a, a doing over the last couple of years. So the increases is good. So I'm trying to get the beer prices as low as I can. Uh Get my entertainment. I've got the entertainment. As a matter of fact, I'm only going to go with the. Um, well, I was going to. We we're going to go with Derek Warfield and the the Wolf Tones and with uh, Charlie and the Boys. So I can only go with one. So I had Charlie and the Boys book anyway, and the Flakes book. So I'm going to go up and see if I can. Derek Warfield's in Florida this weekend. It's about an hour and a half away from where I am, so I'm going to drive up there tonight and tell them I'm just going to go with the one band because if things do do go belly up, we couldn't afford the two of them. And I'll tell Derek he can do the next one, but there's no point in the two of them. Two of them do the most same and it's the same stuff anyway, you know. So it doesn't make sense to me be paying two bands. I've got three men in the drum, 
uh, I've got Pat Cairns coming to do the thing, and I got a, an email for a guy in Hawaii, and he's got a band that are coming to the convention. So they stayed there, they wouldn't mind doing a wee gig. So I said, okay, well, talk to me and we'll discuss it, and I can maybe put them on in the bar at night as well. Plus the golf, I'm, I'm still dealing with the golf people right now. Uh, the audio was, was a big problem. The audio for the dinner dance and the green night, that comes out over $60,000. You know, a lot of people think, oh, they just come in and plug in their things. That's not it works. I've got to take electricians who get 60 bucks an hour. It's the money is just like and the last big one we had we done really well I mean we give the money away to charity and you'd sell like 25,000 from that you know to, to go to the, the Selic Foundation I haven't talked to Michael Nicholson or whatever his name yet I need to talk to him to see who I can bring so far I've got um what do you call him? George McCluskey's coming. Uh, who the hell? What's his name? So Alan Thompson's coming. Uh, I've got another player. And I'm trying to get in touch with Jackie McNamara and Simon Donnelly. I heard that they're interested in coming to see if I can get them to come as well. So, you know, I'll get as many as I possibly can. And then I've got to talk in it because I see if Celtic will send us the league trophy that we're going to win. I want that. <laughs> I like your confidence. I want that. I tell you, I'd, uh, I've i seen a lot of games, by the way, but Celtic vs. Vodina was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. But And I was in, Milan, and I was in uh, Lisbon for the final, but the, uh, that game, I did not expect that on Wednesday night. I didn't. As a matter of fact, I sat exactly where I'm sitting here. As I say, it's the water here, and there's an island across the water. And when Nabada scored that goal, my doors was open in a balcony. Some of the things that come out my mouth, I mean, the people here let me know. It was like... It wasn't any nice things I was saying about Rangers or Safeco or whatever they call themselves. You call um, old co, it's all the same co when you hammer them. Yeah, but the thing is, is when you shout out here, like it echoes right across that water. So, all <laughs> the people in the fancy condominiums would have heard that, you know, get it there, your dirty shower, so and so was. Oh. I, I let it rip, by the way. I was jumping up and doing myself here. I just sat myself watching it. Yeah, Tom, I, I wrote a blog after the game and I was just saying, like, for the 60,000 of us inside the stadium, it was wonderful. For, but for people watching throughout the world, no matter where they were, when them goals hit the back of the net, and you've just you've just summed it up, sitting down in Florida on your own, on, 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 the, on the balcony, and, you know, the neighbours must be wondering, who is this lunatic? I was I was screaming like I was screaming like a banshee. I'm not joking. I'm not just telling you that I was going nuts because I didn't expect that. I really, I, I'm being honest. You know, I thought you know, 
he plays the game the way he normally does, then, you know, we give this mob. But I didn't see that coming. Did you? Tom, um, <laughs> the, there was something special brewing in the air um, on Wednesday. It was as if every Celtic fan from Ireland was in Dublin Airport when I when I went up to board the plane. Throughout the whole day, we arrived in the hotel early morning. You couldn't you couldn't get into the hotel bar. It was packed. You know, every hotel was booked. Lunch by lunchtime, the only place you could get in was a restaurant. Every Celtic bar or Irish bar in the sea was packed out. And when we oh. were leaving to go to the game, Tam. There was a queue of people trying to get into the bar, which is a big bar, who weren't going to the game, who didn't have tickets. This was 90 minutes before kickoff, and the queue, the queue was halfway, you know, around the Merchant City. And this was the same in all the bars we passed. And even those, but outside, Tam is only, I start getting nervous outside, you know. Because you've got the, the hairs in the back of my neck standing up right now, because I know that atmosphere and you miss it. Yeah. I miss it. And it was like like both ultra groups. The boys had done the jockstein up or up. The Green Brigade had done their stuff. And before kickoff time, there was just a very special moment. You would have watched it on TV. When the disco lights, which have been slagged off by everybody outside the Celtic family since they went in because they were put, you know, put in for the Champions League, you know. I think these people are slaggers off, forget that we dominated Scottish football for almost a decade. But... Um, and I'm getting goose pimples now. When that light went down to the Celtic players and the Rangers players were stood in the dark, in the huddle, I knew something special was happening. And that's that's almost a brand new team with a brand new manager who nobody knew who was. There was a kid comes up in Milton Keynes Dons. You know, nobody knows who this kid is unless you're unless you're watching, you know, unless you're a nanorack of football. And now we have like and by half time. We were just looking at each other. You know, the smiles were saying it all. We didn't have to say much. And in the second half, they dominated as well. But it's only three points, Tam, and we still need to keep going. The The League Cup is in the bag, but there's, I think there's a lot more to come. Oh, I, th- I think so. If he's, uh, you know, if, I, and I, I trust him and I believe him when he said, when he said after it, and I, I listened to him when he said after it, and we're still not there yet. I was like, oh, yeah, beauty. Like, he's not going to stop. He's going to, you know, he's going to make sure, you know. And that should have been 6 nothing. But the thing, the game on Wednesday night was they were going in the net. All these other teams were just been one nothing and close. They've been hitting half bodies and no going in, hitting the bar, hitting the post. They just want to get in. Now they know where that net is, and then Mary bang that in there, and Mary will shove it right up their asses. That establishment, right up them, by the way. Oh, now, now yeah. just for just for the listeners, we're recording this on the Saturday before the Mullerwell game to go out next Friday because there's not much time now with all these games coming up, Tom. Because I'll be in, I'll be in Mullerwell tomorrow, and I'll be in Aberdeen on. Um, Wednesday, so this is the, the best chance to get you you down because once all this uh, Las Vegas stuff was announced, I knew I had to get you on. But Tom, um, the League Cup's in the bag, as I says, and you're hoping to bring that trophy to, set, uh, to Las Vegas. And what a week it's going to be in the in the Las Vegas heat with the 
you know, the entertainment captain of the world, but, you know, some of the, you know, some great characters from both, you know, who have played with Celtic and every, yeah. there'll be even bigger characters from the Celtic fan base, um, as there always is. But Tom, it's been a, you know, it's been a tough two years for everybody and this would be some way, you know, if we could go on and lift that league trophy and go and have this party in the sun. So it would be an unforgettable week for us. But you recently came this way and you were recently home to visit family and friends in Glasgow. You know, how how was the how was the homecoming? And uh like it is a nice time to come back to Glasgow with such um the buzz around the team now as well. I love it. It's my favourite place is a brazen head on a Sunday afternoon. We all the boys that I went to school with ran around with, went to the dance meet. They're all the Gorbals boys. They're all still there. I was sitting in the Brazen Heat. They've got their own place. I've even got wee plates with their names on it. People that's died, my brother, one of my brothers. and It's just, and I go in there and I listen to the guys and the, you know, there are Tim's. I love it. There's one character. I, I, I love him, but I had never seen him the last time. But one of the times I was in, it was quite a few years ago. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. I'm not going to mention his name, but you'll have an idea who he is if you go into the Brazen Heat. They're sitting in the Brazen Heat and Rangers is playing in the cup final up in Hamden. The door bursts open and he puts his back against the door. Like, you know, this place is packed. The Brazen Heat's packed. And he shouts, right, yeah, sure, uh, bastards. This is it. This is the day we can do it. That game started up Hamden. Who's with me? We're going up to burn the other buses. I said, <laughs> nobody's leaving this pub jacket volunteers. We're going up to burn the other buses. They're all coming. When they come out of that game, there'll not be any buses for them. So it was the way he was throwing his horns against the door that nobody's leaving here to get my volunteers. It was as funny as hell. You'd know who I mean. Sometimes he dresses up as a Pope when he goes to the games and things. <laughs> I'm saying no. The low who I mean. He's a, he's a character in the suicide, but, you know, the, and all the boys, they, they just, yeah, yeah, we're gone, we're gone. Like, we've got a pint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a pint and something doing. Oh. But that's, that's when I get him. That's winding him up biggest highlights is my Sunday afternoon yeah, as you know I don't drink but my Sunday afternoon for two or three years I get in there and I get all the stories and what's happening and and then I'm back in back in the back into the way of things the way it should be the old gobbles and ah, I love it I can remember I used to work in Benny's bar when I was about 17 and it was when, I think it was when Celtic beat Dunfermline in the cup final. And I was walking behind a bar. And Benny's bar was right on Gorbel's Cross. So, or a, or a Belfast mob are there. They're, that was their, their place. And our boys for Derry, what do you call that part in Derry, doing the hill? Uh, you know what I mean? You get through the balls, don't into the 
and the bog side. The bog side. So <laughs> they're all in there. So Benny, the guy that owns it, says, they're going to miss the boat. Look at the stadium. You know, the, the, the first time, you know, any of us has really seen them sell like one in the, this time. Oh, and we need to get them out. They need to get that boat. I don't know how we're going to get them out. I says, you know, get them a movie. He says, do you know a few of them? He says, is there any way you can get them up? Get them down to the, get them down to the docks and get them on that boat. I said, I'll tell you what, he's a tricolor. So he gives me the tricolor. So I got up one end, it's a big long bar. I got up at one end of the bar with the tricolor. Mark stopped and did the bar with the tricolor, singing, singing the soldier song. They're all cheering and that. And I get to the end of the bar after a couple of verses, I jump down. He opens the door and I go into the street and it was like the Pied Piper. <laughs> they all come out with the bog at the pints and everything and they're walking right down the street, right down to the room along. <laughs> it just kept going. <laughs> it was a procession like you've never seen in your life, us singing and dancing. That was another thing with the goggles. That was another one that we'd done in Benny's. It was a scream. He was like, I don't know how you done that. That's what they were saying. Fucking pipe piper, says the way they open out that door with you, just marching. Come on, boys! You know, you get the tricolour going, that was amazing. Uh, the night I went to Lisbon, I remember I was, I walked, I went up to see a girlfriend who was my wife at the time because I'd cancelled the wedding, which I've told you. So I did go up and see her. We were supposed to get married, so I'd cancelled the wedding to go to Lisbon. Oh, these things happen, you know. You can get married any time, but you can't see Sally in the final every day. Oh, no, I need that money. <laughs> I need that money. <laughs> 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 I remember I ruined that. I had my tricolour, my scarf, my hat, shirt. Because up to her street, up to her house, her dad says, go bring back a cut. She said, all right. I walked down the street. People shouting to me when I'm walking down the street, bring it back, big man, bring it back, bring it back. It's, aye, aye, aye. The bus comes. I go on the bus. They times there are no doors on the bus. It's again the back. So the conductor says, where are you going? I said, Lisbon. <laughs> I go, I go up the stairs and she says, sit there in the inside. I said, I want to smoke. She went, you can smoke there if you want. You know, you're only allowed to smoke down the stairs. I said that, and she said, and sit there, and everybody's going to see you when you come on the bus, because I got this big giant tricolour on a stick. She said, you'll sit there. I said, fine. Right down, and everybody coming on the bus, bring back a cup, bring back a cup, bring back a cup. Get your gobbles cross. He stops in the middle of the cross. There's no bus stop. He stops in the middle of the cross, the bus driver. Turns off the bus, comes out the bus and comes round to me and Gobbles Cross is packed with people with buses all gone to Lisbon. Hugs me. This is the driver of the bus. All the traffic stopped. Make sure you spring back that cop big man. Make sure you say die. That was a great memory as well. Like that day leaving for a just to go. It was uh, it was it's kind of hard to explain there and coming back was the cavalcade, uh, buses coming through the mountains with the, the, the limousine in front of you, all the buses and the motorbikes 
and the motorbikes at the side of the, the buses, motorbikes at the back that were taking us all back into Lisbon. And as you go down the hill, if you looked back, you seen all the buses all the way around with all the scarves and tricolours and everything. The sirens going and these uh, motorcycle cops taking us down the hills. Oh, it's, it's amazing. And now, amazing. Tom, I'm getting the hair standing on the back of my neck. That was amazing. And then we get, when you get to Lisbon, of course, all the people were out in the street and you know, you just scarf out the window in your tricolour. The bastards were standing at the travel lights pulling them off us. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> all your souvenirs that you want for the game. <laughs> so if you stopped at a travel light or in like the people was packed at the corners were just pulling them off you. Going, hey, that's my fucking banner. Hey, you know, they would steal it. They were just grabbing them as you passed, like they wanted the souvenirs. Pam, what age were you when you, when you went to Lisbon? Well, it was 1967, right? 67, 21. Oh, perfect. Just perfect. 21. I was well, I suppose perfect at any age, but it just, you know, I remember my days of 21 and they were... Good. They, they, were, they, they were wild. <laughs> <laughs> Funny thing is, is we get... I think we arrived in... Years. Big guy from Newcastle, my uncle and me. Not a soul in this big giant square. I said, Jesus Christ, that's nobody here. I was talking about cavalcades and all kinds of planes, don't see any. So we said, they had a big chapel. We're all going to the chapel. There's a big giant chapel in the square, beautiful big chapel. So we said, oh, we're going to the chapel, because there's nowhere open where we can get a cup of tea in. So we get into the chapel. They were sleeping in the confessional boxes. They were sleeping in all the pews. Sleeping in all... But they had a row with them all lying. Oh, snoring at this. Fight! The confessional boxes in there. All sleeping. There was a thing that Jesus or whatever, you know, was on Mary's Latin or that. There were some of them lying beside that as well. You didn't see that. It was unbelievable. The priest was involved in his arse either. He's probably packed. looking forward to the final. Oh, it was packed. It was packed. Come out of there and met a wee boy about 10, a wee street boy, no shoes. And he was our, uh, our guide for the day. And he took us everywhere, like, so that he could speak the old Portuguese, so as nobody would rip us off. And we took him, we couldn't take him to the game with us, because he didn't have a ticket, obviously, we couldn't take him. But he waited outside till we came back and he came on the bus with us back up to the airport. We went straight to the airport right after the game and all the money we had left, we gave on. All the guys that was there saying, here son, here son. Gave him all the scudos, I think they're called. Gave him all our money. It was surreal. And then I lost my banner. I fell asleep on the plane, got drunk, and uh, got off the plane, I was steaming. I lost the banner. I phoned up to see if I could find my banner. <laughs> I lost everything. everything I had. The only thing I had was my ticket, and uh, ticket and program, 
And the other thing, the big guy from Newcastle, we ran on the park, right? we ran on the park, and we jumped the boat, we ran on the park. And we go to the airport, and we're in the line up to go through. And this selling supporter comes up to us and says to this big guy, who's from Newcastle, Annie, he was from near Newcastle, a big Geordie, he says to him, is your name John Bell? And he goes, aye. He says, here's your passport. His passport, his plane ticket, and his money. He had dropped it on the field. The guy said he found it on the field. Seen the ticket, seen the time of the aeroplane, the, the plane and everything, and gave him it back. In the lineup as we're ready to go through to get on the plane. Amazing. That's the God's honest truth. It was amazing. Every single penny he had in that wallet was there. You know that that's that's selling supporters for me. That's selling supporters. What 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 a day you had! And you know you say you arrived into Glasgow and obviously back up the garbles, but you know you're born and bred in the garbles, and um, it it, oh. it holds a special place in your heart, doesn't it? Oh, I I well actually, I arrived at the time I got into up to Castlemill. It was about seven in the morning. I got off the bus and I walked. Casamont Drive and I'll go to walk along Glenacre and my dad's coming down walking down the street he's going to work he's a brickies labourer and he was working on a grip at the time you know working on the side from the lump so he says uh, how was it he says oh he says this place was rotten last night I said oh that's great I said oh okay he said where are you I said I'm going home I said I'm going to go meet the boys and then he said want to work with me I said I'm not going to work with you he says, come on, come on, come on, come, come to work. He says, well, nobody in any work with these. He says, so it comes, he says, well, nobody in any work. Can I pass? I said, I'm all right. So I just turned around with him, got on the bus, and away I go with him, doing his work with Kenneth Park. We get in there, they build a fire in this big bit where they were building. And they all sat around there and they said, somebody go to the Shebe and get some bottles of wine and some beer. Somebody goes and gets beer and wine so we sat around this fire we were drinking wani you know like Eldorado stuff you know cider getting tore in we left there we went to the suicide went to Benny's uh, came out of Benny's and then headed up to the park for them coming home with the cup and then most of the day was a, a blank to me I don't remember too much I just remember I was on the the one o'clock bus in the morning for George Square, steaming. And I go on the bus and everybody was quiet on the bus and I was shooting and balling. Sing a Alex song, yeah, bastards. You know, the ball away. I started just singing. They would put their ass for me. I would just sing it. I was just getting torn around the other rebels. I wasn't giving a damn. Wasn't giving a damn. That was some. I think it was you put it down planes, boats, aeroplanes kind of thing. It was ugh, surreal. It was surreal. But as I said earlier, like of all the games I went, it, the best I've ever seen was Vodvadina. Celtic versus Vodvadina. Anybody that's a listener here that was at that game that night, I'll tell you. Like you have seen there a special atmosphere, 
hairs on the back of your neck. The way I picture it, I don't know if I said it in the last podcast that I talked to you, but when Charlie Gallagher went up to take that corner kick, I was at the Celtic end. It was a foggy day. You could hardly see up to the other side. And we knew there was no time left and we needed that goal. And to me, and anybody who was there, I think will tell you, as Charlie Gallagher run up to take that corner kick, as he came back to take the corner kick, you could have heard the pin drop in Celtic Park. You could have heard the pin drop. There wasn't a roaring, come on, come on. It just went silent. And I swear to this day, I could actually hear him kicking it, the corner. And more or less, I know it wasn't, but you feel as if, feel as if, you heard the ball rattling down the neck after McNeil put it in. And then after that, it was carnage in the cellar. I mean, there were bodies everywhere. I was up the piling. I was up the piling to watch the game. And I come flying up the piling. Remember the big pilings are too big? I come flying up the big piling. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> bodies everywhere. Bodies everywhere. That was... That game was the hairs in the back of your neck one, that one. And that goal will always be a special, special goal for me. Like I'll never forget it. Anybody that's listening that was there, I'll tell um, I would guarantee they would tell you exactly what I just said if they were there that night. It was, oh, God almighty. And yet another another garbles um connection in Charlie Gallagher, a gentleman who who we we lost um last year and he'll be he'll be sadly missed. he came to be I had him in Vegas once. What a lovely, lovely an absolute gentleman, by the way. An absolute gentleman. He really is or was. Yeah, Charlie was a good guy. And he never get really the same recognition as most of the players from Steam. I think he never he never got the same recognition. I mean, he was the man of the, the corner kick that he put in that night against Ford Vadina was the exact same kind of corner kick that he put in for Billy McNeil to beat them firmly in the Scottish Cup final. It was, I mean, it's, it's it's like just a replay. It's exactly the same. And that was Charlie Gallagher. He could pass a ball, hit a ball, and he could dribble. You know, so, but he, you know, but then you had Jimmy Johnson, you know, so Charlie was there and Stevie and Lennox was in the left wing. Charlie was a number 10. But then you had Bobby Murdoch. You know what I mean? So There was plenty of competition. I was a hard team to play first, definitely. They are to replace any of them. But, but Charlie, I met him, was a lovely, lovely, lovely man. He was just, I'd never spoke to him and I just had a wee walk with him. I think over in, I can't remember which hotel it was, but it was really pleasant, soft-spoken person. No, really nice, really just a nice man. Well, how I met Charlie was I was back, I must be 20 years ago when I started to do the fanzine. We, I was selling it outside the stadium and Charlie came up and bought a copy off me. 
And we got chatting, and he was he was he said he was after packing his taxi, and he was going to game. He was driving a taxi at the time. I didn't know I didn't know it was Charlie Gallagher, uh, but I had a little chat with him, and uh, again, very softly spoken. He walked away, and was one, one of the other lads was selling across me, and he walked over to me. And he says, "You know who that was?" He told me. So then the next time Charlie came up, we got we got talking, and this was before you know camera phones, and so over the years, then Charlie came to couple of our do's and a couple of our dinners and always the, the complete gentleman um and he, like he'll be sadly missed by by so many because yeah of all the people i've interviewed and there's been a lot um this was a pen and paper interview i done with charlie in balamina in a uh, charlie mcginley organized it for me we went into a back room while the function was going on and charlie cried during that interview and oh. I, I must have had five or six Phil's cap pages. My hand was so right. And what, a, what a wonderful, um, especially when he spoke about being an Irish international and Jimmy McGee travelling to Donegal to the family home to speak, you know, to get him on the radio. He was on the radio in, in Glasgow and he, they had his family on. And he always says that was very special to play for play for Ireland, coming from the Garbles. But there's so many stories come out of the Garbles. But you, you decided... To leave the garbage, which must be must be very hard, uh, Tom. Uh, had hard. A, was Canada the full stop, or did you go somewhere before Canada? Well, there was no, no. It, 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 my wife had a sister here, and there was a. I thought Australia, US was out because if you went in the US at that time, you get drafted. You were going to Vietnam after three months, so that went, that was out of the picture. <laughs> that definitely wasn't on the cards. No. So it was Australia, and I, and I fancied Australia, but my wife said, no, it's too far for us to see family. We've got a shot, you know, it's, it's only seven hours to Canada. So we came to Canada, and uh, I started, where did I start? I was cleaning septic tanks, for Christ's sake. And I was working on a building site. Then I worked in a concrete place where they made slabs, then I got a job in the Toronto Star. And a uh, long story that way. Uh, the pressman didn't talk to the labourers. I was a labourer. And uh, I, I happened to see one of the pressmen one day. I was passing, hi, how are you doing? And he said, F off your scab, don't talk to me. I said, no. He says, F off your scab, don't talk to me. I said, I'm a fucking scab. So he's talking to you. He says, I'm talking to you. I said, You want to go outside and call me out? He was a big guy. I said, You want to go outside? Talk to me. Say that to me. He said, Dan, let's go. So the two is good side. Just in the cafeteria. And he stands there. So he puts his hands up. Right. So I just stuck a nut on him. You know what I mean? And he went doing so I jumped on him. So the next thing I know, I got everybody pulling me off him. So they dragged me into this uh, press room toilet where they're all in there. They're talking to me, carrying me doing, I'm going nuts, right? So he says, uh, they said, look, will you help us organize your people? I said, there's 500 of them. I said, I'm only on probation here. I've just started. I said, but well, I finished my probation. I said, and, yeah, I said, I'll see what I can do. 
So I finished from probation and they came and they seen me and they said, okay, you need to do the organising, get, get his names and all that. I said, I, okay. Long story short. Wait, wait, sorry, to Tom, when you say organising, it's not like unionising. Yeah. So uh, what happened was many, many years ago, long before Christ nearly I was born, there had been a strike and the mailers which I was in had crossed the picket line. The pressman did me, so mailers were can, called scabs. So, no, this is a case of, you know, after all these years, the other union came in and said they're doers and some lawyers, so they decided let us, to let us go for it. So I went for it. So there was over 500 people I had to get. So I got, I got it and I got in. And then the... Uh, I get called into the union office for the president at the time and he said, you know, brilliant, well done. Suzanne, blah, blah, blah. Now we want you to take nothing to do with this. You just go in and do your work. We'll protect you. But you're going to be in for a real rough time. So I said, okay, fair enough. So after, I think... The sixth time I got fired, uh, <laughs> and I'm not joking, and I don't know how many suspensions I had, I'd had enough. I, I was ready for a nervous breakdown because I had three kids by this time. and You know, and these suspensions, you weren't getting paid, and, you know, I had things to get. They furnish Of course, my wife's going off on that every day. I'd go to my work and come back two hours later, I'm suspended. So that was it. So eventually a lawyer came and I said to this lawyer, okay, look, I've had enough. I don't think I can do this anymore. Like, I mean, I'm fighting management like hell every single day of the week. They're, they're ganging up on me and the people that are in there are no really aggressive people. There's a lot of women as well. So I remember sitting down with a lawyer and two of us sat down, company came in. They bring out my file, and the lawyer looked to me and he went, tell me that's not your file. <laughs> it was like a phone book, I said. Aye. <laughs> I said, but there's nothing in there about my work. There's other things. And he said, oh, okay. Anyway, we won that, and they hired me back. So then I just started working there with the union. And then eventually I became first Catholic, First Labour ever to become the president of a newspaper union in Toronto. It was all Masonic. Press, press room, all Masonic. So it was, that was a big deal. I never ever thought I'd get it. Nobody thought I'd get it. But I got it. I became president. I was in the office for 13 years. I retired in it. I was the first Catholic and non-Freemason to be president of a pressman's union and a pressman is. Like, even there was one, one of them when I first went in, they interviewed me and the ring on and he was talking all that Masonic stuff to me about your granny. Like, you know, and I was just, like, it was Canadian. So they don't, it's not the same, you know, they're not the same kind of Mason sort of a thing. And because I was Scottish, he thought I was one. 
So I never made it out of I never let them know any different. <laughs> carried on, just done it. As I say, but that was my journey. I was a brickage labourer when I left there and became president of Pressman's Union. Then moved on to the, into the States and international. And so that, it was a good move in the long run. And in all yeah. that time, in all that time, Tam, when, when you were away, um, obviously Sadiq is, is so you know close oh. to your heart. You'd, you'd been to Lisbon, so you're obviously missing it. But it wasn't like now, Tam, um, you know, you didn't get highlight packages. No. You, 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 no. Could, you, you couldn't log in and watch a match. Um, no, no, nothing. You know, newspaper, was it newspaper print you were getting sent over? Sometimes, or shoot, if you could, sometimes on the shortwave radio. But every week, my brother Michael would send me a nine-page letter with drawings on it of how a goal was scored, the net, a goalie diving for it, and the whole thing about the game. He would send that every week. He sent me a whole thing about the game. And then, you know, we, we started the North American Federation with a couple of clubs. And the beauty of that was, you know, when we get started, another club started phoning me, phoning Jackie, saying, look, we want to be part of this. The beautiful thing about my job was as the president, I had travelled all over the States for different meetings and things. So the first thing I would do would find an Irish bar, see if I could get a Scottish or an Irish guy to meet me. Through the internet, meet me there and say, You want to start a club? You want to do this? Why do that? All over America. We had 78 clubs, 78, I think, was the, the amount of clubs we had. we'd got in Seattle. We had them everywhere until, you know, see like TV and different things. But uh, Jackie Meehan was a fabulous president. He was, like, I was just his, like, side man. Jackie was the, he was the pusher. He would just say, this is what I want you to do, you know. He'd let me negotiate with the satellite people. And he more or less done everything else. And, you know, Jackie and I spoke every single day to one or every single day. Uh, Six in the morning, Jackie's call. Right, this is what we're doing. Get this done. Get that done. Have you got this done? And then Peter. So, uh, you know, Jackie was a president. And then she said, that's enough. And then she said, you can take over. I said, fine. I never really wanted it. I was quite happy as vice president, but I didn't want to see it going anywhere else. So I took it. And it's been... I'm very proud of it. It's the same as Jackie and the guys that are on the committee, Mike Boyd. I mean, they're a guy that never walked by a pub. I mean, he's, he's vice president. There's a guy who just walked by a pub in Chicago one day, heard the noise, went in, and it was a Celtic game. And now he's vice president of the thing. And he has no connections, Irish, Scottish, English, or anything. I mean, I think he goes back to the Roy Rogers these days, you know what I mean, with his family in America. And Mike's a fabulous guy. Fabulous guy. Yeah, so, Tam, uh, 
Tom, we had we had Jackie on the podcast. Um, I think maybe six months ago or longer, and um, I think he was quite complimentary towards you as well. So um, and Mike and and all the committee. So yeah, um, I, I've I've spent a lot of time in in, in Jackie's company. Um, uh, you know, generally generally in airports. Uh, you know, when when the dust has settled, we I've bumped into them a few times when everyone's gone back, or maybe we stayed an extra day or two in Las Vegas. So that's when you you get to because during the you know during them conventions, like everyone's, you're all top of your heads, like so. It's yeah, nice to yeah. kind of see us offside, but like yeah. the whole thing about the North American Federation was never about running conventions; it was about getting no. to see Celtic. Yeah. Oh, oh, for oh, hundred percent, but. During the times where it was um, the first mob that we dealt with, I mean, we made mistakes because we more or less, the North American Federation, kind of held the rights to Celtic games in North America. We could say who was, what pub was getting it and what pub wasn't getting it. Because we were pumping plenty of money into this this group, so I, I said, okay, then you know it doesn't get showed in any pubs unless it's a Celtic pub, and they're paying us because we're paying you. We're paying sometimes up to sixteen grand a week. You know, we said no, no. So, but the thing is, he then sold Satanta, and Satanta, the uh, the. They more or less had the rights. They bought the rights. We didn't buy them. We we had them, but we hadn't bought them. But we should have bought them. But we never Satanta had them. But in fairness to Satanta, they never changed the rules. They said, "Okay, there's got to be so many miles between clubs and things like that." I don't know. Have you ever met any of the boys for Satanta? I haven't. I haven't. Time no. Shane O'Rourke. Never met Shane. I think Shane's for Dublin. His brother. I remember Shane, I used to argue with Shane. Surely, Tom, you never argued with anyone. Yeah, but I, I, Shane was murder like, you know. I mean, he'd call me a wee Irish bastard, whatever, and he'd call me a Scottish prick. You know, it was, it was terrible, the arguments, you know, and he said, and I said, see if I ever can meet you, you know, and he goes, ah, yeah, yeah, I would like to meet you as well someday, and we'll, we'll really fix it. And I said, all right. I went on for a couple of years, never met him, but we argued all the time about the prices. So I'm in San Francisco, and that's where his base is. And I'm in a restaurant, so I call him at his office. I said, I'm in this restaurant. I said, I believe it's only one block away from your office. I said, if you want to come and see me, I'm in there. And he went, I'm busy today. I can't fucking be seeing you. I said, well, I'm letting you know I'm here if you want to, you know, come in. And I remember I was sitting with somebody having dinner in this restaurant. I'm just sitting. This guy comes in and he's looking at me and looking at me and I'm looking at him. He's about five feet three, five feet four. And built like that. And he goes, Are you Darley? You Tom Darley? You know, a real Dublin accent. I said, I'm. I said, are you Shane O'Rourke? And he goes, I am. So I stood up, you know, and he went, now don't fucking hit me, whatever you do. 
That's exactly what he said. He told me, don't fucking hit me. <laughs> so I just started laughing like that fucking size is cheeky wee bastard been calling me everyone under the sun you know what him and I became great friends great friends smashing wee guy absolute lovely lovely wee guy lovely wee man took me to uh, I was in San Francisco another time my wife was with me and he um him and his wife came to the hotel and picked us up and he took me for a trip to Radar, San Francisco and other places and had a whole day with him. He took me to a place in San Francisco. You know the song, Sitting on the Duck of the Bay? You know that one? Otis Redding. Yeah. He took me to where that song was written. And as the song goes, you know, watching the clouds go away, we sat right in that dock and watched the fog. You couldn't see San Francisco till the fog cleared, and you see the fog clearing, and you see the whole of San Francisco. Now, there's where you get the hairs in the back of your neck when that's when he tells me when this is happening. And he's sitting telling me in this restaurant about it, and I'm like, Jesus Christ almighty, I'm sitting right here where that song is. And every time I hear that song, I think about that moment, sitting there with him, and be Shane telling me about it. It was, you know, that's the kind of guy who's really and clever, very, very clever, exceptionally clever. You really think, like, he's there, got somebody, he looks after some stuff, by the way. Poof. Yeah, him and his brother, his brother's a smashing guy as well. Brother's a nice guy. Tom, but when, when, um, when the likes of Satanta and uh, the previous uh, people who had the rights were, um, I suppose, you know, breaking down barriers so that Celtic fans in, in North America could watch their team week in, week out. You know, and we know it's it's generally early doors. Um, you're saying there was, but did you say there was about 78 clubs? There was 78 clubs, yes. You know, obviously Celtic TV and the internet and modern technology and dodgy boxes and everything, you know, it has to have had an effect on the supporters' clubs. So surely to God, there's not that many, there's not 78 left, is there? No, no. No, but they're in, I would say, most, if, no, not all, major cities where people would go. Like, you know, you'll get, I think there's uh, three in Florida, two in Florida, I'm not sure. Um, New Orleans, New York, uh, Boston, Chicago, uh, Cleveland, Houston. Uh, I don't want to forget any of them there, so I get mad at me, but major, major places where people would go Celtic supporters would go on on holiday or go on a vacation or something like that. We've got it there for them. Yeah, that and I've been to Florida. And when when Connor was younger, we would have went um, Stevens's Day for a couple of years. We went. That was a holiday. We went to to the Disney's and the and the Universe and that. 
well, obviously, you know, Celtic, Celtic would play Rangers during them, that vacation or holiday, as we call it. And I could go along to a pub. I think it was the Lucky Leprechaun. Lucky and there would, be, there would be fans from not just, you know, Ireland and Scotland on holidays over there, but there would be a lot of, you know, Americans, like American-based yeah. fans. And the connections they would have made in there would have been... Um, would have been brilliant, like you know, and you probably got maybe three games in your over. So, like it is, it is so important that, like, I could have, like, probably back then I don't know how strong you know you would have been able to get an internet connection because it is going back maybe ten years. But like, I could go. I knew I could go and watch these games with like-minded people, and for me, that's that's very important. Yeah, as it's it's. It's amazing. Like, I, I'm doing, I was just thinking, there's one in Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, and then there's a Lucky Leprechaun, which was one of the better ones. The be be John. What's the Gibby guy's name? The Dublin man. I can't remember the name, but if, if memory says you wrote it from Drimnet in Dublin. Yeah, I. I mean, it's not like it was because it's like to be. I mean, I spoke to them every day of the week. I would speak to one club. There were no one club. They speak to a president of a club, always called me to tell me what they were doing, what it was. And some of them were saying, oh, we're not get the crowd. So, but the thing is, when I was bargaining with a rock, Shane O'Rourke about prices, he's a wee fly man. He would send people in, no matter where, and count the bodies that's in there. Because if I said to him, there was there only getting 30 people, and he'd say, there were 300 in there. There were 300 in there. I had a man in there. There were 300. (laughs) 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 You're not telling me that. You're not charging enough. I said, oh, come on, Shane. No, no, what are you doing? Then I had to tell all the clubs, don't let anybody in, you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Turn an inside by a clicker. <laughs> and then he, uh, he thing we, when, you know, it was out and he phoned me up and he says, uh, says, listen, he says, I've got uh, Bosnia playing, what do you call it? The Bosnians were fighting who the. Well, it was Bosnia, Croatia, Serbia. That's the. Yeah. Just, they were Bersama and International. So he's got all these holes where he's showing the game. Satantic showing it. So he calls me, he says, I've not got enough receivers. I think some of the Celtic clubs we could you would give me said, we've asked the Rangers clubs and they're not gonna give them. Would you give us your thing? I said, I will send so they sent these two big Bosnians up. Oh, oh I should have seen these two, like you know, they were get collecting them, gonna bring them back. Shane says me, I need to I need you to uh can you get me some volunteers to collect at the doors? I said, aye, all right. So I said, right, you pay the guys. And he goes, aye. I said, I'll pay them this. I said, right, and 10% of the door goes to the person that does it. Said, all right, so I phoned about any of the men, any of the guys that wasn't working or a pensioner. You want to do the doors? Why do you? She says, aye. So Bosnia. I said, listen, as soon as you've got all the money, at half time, 
get bolt because if one of them get beat, you're going to get the money took off you. Just bolt, right? So that's what they've done. So he done that maybe with quite a few things. Even a, a Rangers game, he said uh, they, had a, they had a special game or something and he had it on and he said, do you think you could put guys on the door for me? I said, I don't know. I said, but there's one pub. I said, I'll do the door for you. Oh, I said, you're constable. I said, no, no, no. I'm not constable. I said, no, no. Just put me on the door. I says, because I think he's at the madam with you. And he says, I knew the guy who owned it, right? So I get doing Bernie's pub. How you doing, Billy? Oh, Tom, how's it going? I said, good. You know, I knew him from Scotland before I'd left the camera. I said, good. I said, I said yeah, you get a game on the day. He said, aye, aye, aye. He says, that fucking Satanta sending a guy down here to do my door. He says, a bastard. You know what I said? Is he? He said, aye. I said, it's me. And he went, that'll be right. I said, oh. I said, you phone him up. I said, I'm a door collector today. Bastard, he says. <laughs> I said, listen, no, no, don't be like that. Don't be like that. And he went, I put my brother at this door. He's going to be raging. His brother's like one of the diehard ones, you know. And I said, well, I'm doing the door. So he says, run up with my office. Got me his office. He says, uh, He's in a person of Tanta, I said, I just much a cut you want. I said, I'll have 20%. Oh, I said, come on. I said, no, not 20%. He said, oh. I've made my deal with him. I said, I know, but you told them there was only so many on the door. I said, please, it's going to be back to the gunnels, and I knew it would be back to the gunnels. And he goes, all right, 20%. So after the game, we got up to his office, you know. And, so I know how much it is because I'm the one that's nobody else is on that door. I'm the only one that's collecting. I said, right, come on, give us the readies, you know. And he was putting the money down like that. You know how you would go 20, 40, 60, 80, like that? He was going, bastard, 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 bastard. <laughs> <laughs> So I go back to Shane, I say, there you go, this and you go, that. And Shane said, the much did you get? I said, no, I never get nothing, Shane. And he goes, I you did. I said, Shane, I get nothing. Well, okay, Tom, I'll believe you. I said, thanks very much, Shane. I said, you know, I'll always do things for you anyway. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> Nice one, Tam. Tam, just give us. Um, it's been it's been lovely to chat. Um, because we we did have a great chat that day in Morphy's when you were home, and it's it's, oh, great, to, it's great to continue with all and, and and to get you know a bit of Tam Donnelly's story. Um, can we just recap Tam on the dates for Vegas and you know how we, people can still get there or what they need to do if they haven't booked you? Yeah, well, you get a calendar there. It's uh, the Sunday is the. 12th or the 13th through to the 19th. Just, um, I, do, I do have a calendar here, Tom, that I got free off my printer. So I, yeah, can, um, I can have a look for you. 
You're looking at Sunday the 12th. Sunday the 12th to Sunday the 19th. And anybody that wants to go two or three days before or two or three days after, we'll just get the same price. The best bargaining, a lot of people don't realise when they book through a travel agent and book their rooms, there's a $30 a day entertainment tax. That's waived for us. It's free Wi-Fi. So, in other hotels, at the end of the week, when you go down to pay, that $30 a day is on your thing. It's in small print and all your thing. And a lot of them come to me, and I keep telling people, book through our website. Book through our website. If you've got a problem, send me an email. I'll phone the hotel and correct it. Sometimes it breaks down. You'll get a room. But if you're booked through another travel agency other than Stuart, and they've booked your rooms, that entertainment tax is going to be there. And there's nothing I can do about it. Nothing. If you're booked through Stuart, and you book through the website, then I can then I can fix it. If somebody goes another way, I can't. There's no way I can fix it. They just say no, 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 no. You've got your deal there. Like we, I say, you're cashing in the selling supporters. You want to make come next year? Blah blah blah. We go like that. It's not that. It's in the books that way. That's the way it comes in the books. You've made your deal. We've made a deal with you. This is. This is, we give travel agents so many rooms. That's what we take our travel agents. So, okay, fair enough. Nothing I can do about it. I feel rotten for the people that come and do it, but they're well warned. Make sure you book through the, the website. And we'll get challenge boys. We'll get a pool party. We'll get the golf on the Tuesday. And we're doing it a bit different. We're doing the green night. On the Wednesday, pool party on the Thursday, and then a dinner dance on the Friday. Because if you're playing the music on, say, the Thursday and the Friday, it's true, you know, it's the same thing. Right? So you get a day break by just going to the pool party and letting your hair down sort of a thing. Then you let your hair down, then it means you can dress up nicely for the Friday night. So that's what we're looking at. Uh, there's a golf day. Say I've got Pat Cairns. There's always somebody else comes and wants to, can I go up and do a gig? Yeah, sure, go on you go with the stage, like at the bar, to get it going. But that probably not start to the... Mm, Pat Cairns doesn't come into Sunday night. It's the Monday or the Tuesday. Uh, more or less, we've got everything set up. Everything's more or less set up. Still kind of bicking on some prices, but that'll work out. Like I told them, any beer that's out of date, put it out for two bucks, and we'll make sure it doesn't stay out of date too long. <laughs> <laughs> well, the guys from California tell me, you know, get a Mexican beer, it's only two dollars a can. And they said, that's all they drink, the Mexican beer, it's just two, three dollars a bottle. So I've said to him, get all your Mexican gear up there and we'll drink it. Oh, don't worry about it. So hopefully he's going to do that. He's going to, he, 
he, the guy I'm working with is good. Actually, it's funny because his uh, he's American guy, obviously, right? His wife's from Boston, right? But her father was the president of the Boston Celtic Supporters Club, and he comes for the Gorbals. Small world. So, so I'm out one night with him for dinner. She's there, his wife. Cracking big lassie. Smash big lassie. She says, uh, he has to go somewhere for something. So she says, uh, don't you worry about him. I'll make sure everything goes all right for you. She says, there. So he comes back and we're trying to get a contract signed. And he sits down and she said, look, used to get that contract signed because if you don't get it signed, the new one of you is getting a kick in the balls. That was hot. She said that to the two of us sitting at the table. One of you is going to get a kick in the balls. And she said, and I can promise you, Tom, if he screws you over, he's getting kicked in the balls. Don't worry about it. I said, fine. So, She's Tom, just to recap, it's June the 12th to the 19th. We're back in the well, West Coast. Back in the West Coast Hotel. Or the West, West Gate, Gate, the West Gate, the West Coast used to be a hotel in Drada. So the West Gate Hotel in Las Vegas, the famous place um, with the Elvis Paradise connection. Avenue. It's on Paradise Avenue. With the Elvis Presley connections. Um, so yeah, Tom, all this to say is uh, probably that's the next time I'll see you. Um, yeah. and I look, I, you, I'm looking forward to podcast. You're going to do a podcast there, right? Yeah, we're looking forward to We're going to bring the gear and we're looking forward to recording and... Um, we might have to pick up some stuff over there because we don't want to bring it in t- t- that far. But yeah, if we can, we have a small podcast and we'll bring it over and we'll do some stuff and we're looking forward to it. Um, especially with the players there and that, we'll be able to chat to and the fans. And yeah. uh, hopefully we can stay off the Mexican beer so we can, so that we're professional doing it, that we're not getting up hung over doing it, Tom. Because, you know, <laughs> Vegas can lead, lead a, can lead a good man astray. Yeah. Yeah, actually, the, the mass is sold out as well, as far as I'm led to believe. You know what? I, I know a good man that might just get me in, and I'll sit in the confessional box for that one. Are you get well? Have you never been in the mass? I haven't, uh, Tom. Myself and oh. the, myself and um, the big man, we flirted a few years ago. Oh, oh, it is. If I doesn't ring a tear, you're eye, nothing more. I've seen, I've seen stuff on it, yeah, and it's, it's uh, John the Scarf does a great job getting that together. Oh my God, oh my, that lassie sings uh, "Lady of Knock." Jesus Christ, oh my! The tears and the people that I was sitting with running about were streaming down their eyes. She was singing; it was amazing. And then the priest, now the priest leave the usual leave to him. They're walking out to you'll never walk alone. Everybody's up there. It's amazing. Like, and you never think, you know, I've got any chocolates, nice, blah, blah. This is different. This mass is different. It's uh, really good. And it? it's for a good cause. It's for a good cause as well. Right. I think it's the, he's doing it for the Cana Foundation and he's doing it for the, um, the homeless people of Vegas, something like that. Yeah, he's, a wonderful, <laughs> he's a wonderful man. I'm lucky. Um, I've interviewed him in Glasgow, but I also had the pleasure of his company at one of the Philadelphia failures. And I had, um, uh, you know, just a great character. 
Yeah, did he tell you about the, did I tell you about the money collector? You know about the money collector? No. The chapel, the chapel collector. Well, people put, you know, the, the money in when they get plate goes around the chapel. And they put, you know, if you get a couple of chips, you throw the chips in, like, you know, $5 chip, $2 chip, dollar chip, whatever. So that all goes to the, the main place for all the chapels, whatever. There's all that money. So they got all these chips. So there's one priest that goes around because each casino's got their own chip with their name on it. Takes them in and gets some cash for the chapel. Do you know what he's called? Nope. The Chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking true. That's not just, I'm not just that's making fucking, that up. Well, if it is, it's bad. <laughs> that's what the people in the, the hotels call him. The Chipmunk. The the chipmunk. Oh my god! People with chips in the plates. It goes to the. What do you call it? I can't remember the name yet. It goes to them, and they count it and they say, hey, "Here's all the chips." And this priest comes, he gets them in a bag. Right, this is so and so. So that's Riviera. That's a Westgate. That's Caesar's Palace. He gets rid of them all. Here, cash that, cash that. The chipmunk. That's that's his nickname. Unbelievable, Tom. Tom, it's been an absolute <laughs> pleasure. Um, I'm still looking out at the rain. It's getting dark here, and you're still looking out at the sunshine. But hopefully, oh. in June, I'll be I'll be joining you in the sunshine. Um, oh, you, you I'm know. really looking forward to the convention, and as we said, we'll be recording some shows and enjoying the party. So, yeah, Tom, I, all I can say is thank you so much for letting us into your Celtic soul. Yeah, well, June, God willing, we'll have that cup there, and what we missed last year. We'll double celebrate it this year. We'll double, we'll make sure that place is rocking. We'll make sure yeah. I think it will be. Folks, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation with Tam and you want to hear some more, just, you know, f- follow us to Celtic Soul Podcast. We're on, you'll get us on all the um, Acast, Apple, Spotify, the whole lot. And you'll also find us on our YouTube channel, Celtic Fanzine TV. And if you want to support us, you can do so by visiting the website where you can buy a fanzine, buy a t-shirt or donate for the price of a point. Folks, thanks very much for listening. Hail, hail and keep the faith. And thank you to you, Tom. Hail, hail. Thank you. God bless. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.